This is First Class Counselors, another innovative podcast brought to you by Camp Hacker. First Class Counselors is dedicated to young and up-and-coming camp mavericks. By equipping and empowering our on-the-ground staff, camp directors can rest easy knowing that our campers are having the true life-changing experience that parents expect. Find our show notes and our blog for camp leaders and professionals at camphacker.tv. Hey Camp Pros, it's Matt here, co-host of First Class Counselors. I just wanted to say a quick hello to those of you who might be tuning into First Class Counselors for the first time. Um, you might be wondering where the Camp Hacker podcast is, but have no fear, it'll be back in two weeks. Uh, we wanted to try this experiment to uh, to kind of give you as camp directors some professional development for your younger staff. So this podcast is not for camp directors per se, but we hope that you'll pass it on to your counselors and young leadership and program staff members as a way to give them some of the practical skills that you wish you had time to give them in staff training. Uh, In my opinion, staff training uh, is never long enough. So we hope that the skills and things that we talk about on this show will be incredibly useful and things that they can implement uh, for the upcoming summer. So we would be super gracious if you passed it on to them. And uh, if you have, please let us know. We'd really be happy to hear um, if we are serving the camp community the best that we can. So without further ado, here it is, episode three of First Class Counselors. Take it away, Oliver. Hello, Camp Pros. This is Oliver Green, Summer and Family Camps Director at Camp Jewel YMCA. And I'm Matt Hansberger, Camp Director at Pierce Williams Summer Camp, and you are listening to First Class Counselors, a special series of the Camp Hacker Podcast. This series is for camp directors to give to their counselors as they hire and prepare them for the upcoming summer. That's right, because great camp directors know that our front-of-line staff have the most important job at camp. Because they see the kids the most often, their abilities can make or break a camper's week, and they hold the keys to a camper coming back year after year. Each episode, we will meet with some all-star camp staff to give your counselors the tools to make this summer the best one yet. In today's show, we'll be talking about first-time leaders and how camp staff are being intentional with how they become great leaders to make camp the best for their campers. Today joining us in the conversation is... Hello, uh, my name is Grace Tierney. I work at YMCA Camp Mason, which is in uh, Northwest New Jersey. Um, My most recent title there would have been the Assistant Program Director, which kind of morphed at some point into the Interim Program Director because we had some staffing changes. And that was a really, really rewarding experience for me because at Mason, we really highlight um, environmental stewardship. That's like in our in our motto, it's in our in our employee handbooks, our camper handbooks. Um, And we also really, I mean, much like most camps, just promote personal growth for kids just in any which way, whether it's just trying something new or, you know, having them leave better than they came or, you know, whatever that may be. So that's really, really important stuff for us. Thanks, Grace. I'm really excited to listen to you and share a little bit about how Mason gets things going. So uh, a little bit about today's show is our target listeners are counselors, the first time leaders in the program, and essentially people who are stepping up to be leaders at camp. Uh, I know that the breakdown that the staff, I know I break down the idea of all staff that our camp staff is junior counselors to directors. They're all going to be a role model at every moment on every single day, no matter how you relax at camp or whatever you do, you're always going to be judged. So we 
want to talk to the leaders at camp and ask them the questions and hopefully find the answers on how to be a great leader. So leadership titles and positions vary across camps, so we understand that today. To help simplify it, we're going to be talking about those staff today who are going to be super supervising staff for the first time. So these are the village heads, the unit directors, or the head counselors of our world. We are looking to address those who, for the first time in their career, are not going to just have campers depending on them, but staff. So starting us off into conversation, and the first question we will ask today is, tell us a little bit about your first time in a leadership experience at camp. And I'm going to let Matt just take it off. Okay. Yeah, so my first leadership experience at camp was as the LIT director. So LIT at the Karen family of camps where I uh, grew up was looking after the LITs for that week um, and kind of taking on leadership over them. So not so much staff, but these were campers transitioning into staff roles. Um, but I think a lot of what we're going to talk about is really applicable because um, the work and the intentionality that go that went into that program um, was was pretty huge. So I co-directed that program, which was for um, 10 to 16 16-year-olds who were looking uh, to grow in their leadership skills. And the program was for a whole month where we would um, take them on a canoe trip for one week. We did training for one week. They went in cabin for one week. And then we um, had kind of a personal development week at the end of that. And I co-directed that with um, another staff member who now happens to be my fiance, which is super exciting. Um, so that we could do a whole episode on how to manage a relationship at camp. Um, but uh, in the context of this episode, there was a lot of pre-planning that went into that um, program. We had a lot of autonomy in that role as well. The directors kind of just gave us the report from the person last year and let us really come up with the theme. Um, the inter we ran an interview day. Um, so we had a lot of autonomy at the age, I don't know, I think I was 20 at the time, um, maybe 19. I was just finishing my first year of university and uh, it was really cool. And I, I grew a ton from that experience. I like your uh, shout out to the uh, your relationship that you started at camp because it's a little bit of a, um, I don't know, an ad or a promotion for our next show, which is about campships and relationships at camp. So, uh, so in the first question, you're already advertising for our next show. Um, but yeah, Grace, can you tell me a little bit about your work um, as a first time leader at Mason? Yeah, so my first... Um, I want to say my first real leadership experience at Mason was a couple years ago. Um, I want to say it was like close three or four years ago at this point. And I was hired on as a barn manager for a summer. Um, and that was more just like scheduling pieces. And um, it was a lot of animal care, as I guess you can imagine, you know, with our ranch program and things like that. Um, but the first real foray into like supervising staff and all of that was the next summer where I was hired on as our uh, day camp program director. Um, that was a new position at the time. Um, so I was like, a, I was pretty nervous. I really wanted to make it um, a position worth having, um, not worth having for me, but, you know, worth contributing to the camp, I suppose. Um, so I was really, I was really dedicated into like shaping that into making it something that would um, benefit camp. And thankfully it has, I don't, you know, know how much of that was attributed to me or not, but it is still a recurring position. Um, my position uh, was working with two other directors. There was an assistant uh, day camp director and there was a day camp 
director and then there's a day camp program director. It was all like kind of tiered very strangely, but um, essentially my position was in charge of um, helping managing the staff, um, but largely in charge of weekly schedules for the staff um, and ordering supplies for all of our special events, planning those special events, um, being a kind of liaison for the day camp counselors. Um, because at Mason, the way that that's structured is that they have a weekly theme day in our day camp, and it's um, up to our counselors to, they do all of this planning at the beginning of the summer, and they pick a week, and they pick a theme, and they kind of plan the theme day, um, but then they need to kind of run it by through me, so they're kind of sending me notes all summer, and I'm sending it back with notes on it saying, like, fix this, this is great, um, things like that, and together we kind of shape this theme day that's like largely theirs and you know if all things going well like kids should have no idea that I'm involved I'm just kind of behind the scenes and just kind of helping things uh run and it was like just like the best experience it was so fun I have never worked in day camp before that experience and I would do it a hundred times over it was like the most fun summer of my life camper years included it was amazing um the most recent leadership experience I had was this past summer where I started off as the assistant program director. Um, and like I said, I kind of shifted into this new position. Um, so the day camp thing um, was really, really great. Um, but it, I think it helped me be prepared, be better prepared for that um, director position I had this past summer. Um, so I'm incredibly thankful for it. It was, it was, um, it was just so fun. I just, day camp is the best. I can't plug it enough. It's amazing. <laughs> I'm happy because typically Matt and I just love talking about overnight camp all the time. So having someone who's plugging day camp, it, it lets us hit some more people who are wondering why we haven't talked about day camp. enough. Oh yeah. I mean, I love overnight camp. It's my background for sure. But like, there's a reason that was the most fun summer of my life. And it's entirely because day camp kids are just like the weirdest, craziest, most like unique specimen on this planet in the best way possible. <laughs> yeah. Um, my first leadership experience came uh, re realizing that I didn't have a camp background. I found camp when I was in college, just a summer job and came to actually jewel where I am working now. And then I left, but, um, but I was a um, CIT counselor for two summers. And then I got the opportunity to become the village coordinator uh, for that village. And that was outstanding. I was supervising six staff. We had 40 um, campers approximately per session. Um, and I loved it because you're working with kids who want to become counselors, care about camp. And this is obviously something, if you're put in that position, you love camp already. So it was just really awesome. Um, I'll definitely talk a little bit more about it as we go to the line. And then my other kind of first time leadership experience was I left Jewel and I actually moved camps and I drove across the country and um, ended up at YMCA Camp Elphinstone in British Columbia, Canada, um, which I always love bringing up but because um, it means I got to be a staff member for a bit. And from there, I was supervising with a wonderful co who I hope one day will be on the show and I hope she listens. But um, Phoebe and her and I were supervising over seven to 11 year olds um, coming there. Um, that was a fantastic experience as well. So uh, I really enjoyed my years, I guess, as what I would call a coordinator level or like a village head. Um, and, and then I got to move on and became, um, 
you know, the, the role of kind of overseeing a lot more of the summer camp, but, uh, and then, but a little bit about how this is like, how did you get this? Because we have a lot of listeners who are going to be counselors and we have a lot of listeners who, you know, you know, it might be a director who's listening in to kind of hear this kind of stuff. How do you end up getting into these roles? How do you place these people, I guess, into them is the next big question. So how do you chalk up the fact that you got to this position that you're in? So Grace, can you tell us a little bit about how you ended up in the day camp position, how you proved that you were worth being there? Because it was a brand new position. They invented it for you. So that's a really cool background. Yeah. So um, the camp director at Mason at the time, um, the the role, Mason kind of had um, like strange uh, differences um, or changes, I want to say, with just like how the the director roles are, are structured, the full-time year-round director roles. But at the time, our, it's called the senior camp director. So she oversees the, uh, the outdoor education program and the summer camp program. Um, I had applied for the position I held last summer, um, which was the assistant program director. Um, and I didn't get it that summer in 2017, which ended up being a blessing because I got um, this day camp role instead. But the reason I bring up um, our director at the time, um, her name is Anna, she's lovely, is because she has this great um, method. I don't know like how she, I don't know how she does it, but she has this way of, of really, really wanting someone on her team, but she like she doesn't quite know where to put them. So she creates something that is necessary or that that could be a, a big help. But let, like before she created that position, someone else wouldn't necessarily have thought of it. So so the year before I was in that day camp position, the day camp was run by those two directors. There was a director and an assistant director, and they ran you know, they, ha- they did all those responsibilities, like I said, with the schedules and the theme days and all of that. And, you know, the, the summer that I came in to do that, Anna had, um, my director had thought up this position and we had brainstormed for months before the summer. We had phone calls and emails um, and things like that to make sure that it could be um, kind of just molded into something solid. You know, like I was saying, I didn't want it to, I didn't want to show up and have it be this kind of like, fluff thing just because it hadn't been thought out or something like that so we spent months like cultivating this this position and um all of the feedback we got from staff from campers from parents were that you know theme days which i I keep mentioning theme days and just want to mention that those are like in the overnight and a day camp those are a really big deal at camp mason we like hold a lot of stock in them it's our theme days in both programs are our are big special events like that's where a lot of it happens for us so to get feedback from all these people saying like wow theme days have been better than ever this year i just can't believe it like they the you know there's so much more thought that's getting put into it um was a really rewarding thing so to backtrack a little bit um essentially like what got me into this position was anna recognizing that i had the skills to lead and I had the skills to be in a program director position, which ultimately led me to where I was this past summer. Um, But, you know, she just, I think she just wanted me to have like a little bit more um, like staff management skills before I went into the 
to the full program director position that I had last summer, um, which is totally fair because like I said earlier, I felt worlds more prepared for that experience because of day camp, because of that summer. Um, it was, it was truly amazing. And I, you know, I, for, a, for responsibilities that had um, been lined with other, other staff members all the summers before, I'm telling you, I barely sat down the whole summer. I was busy the whole time. And um, it's just, you know, it goes to show, you know, you can call that being hardworking or whatever, but I just think it's because Anna is a genius and because she finds these places for, for people where you wouldn't have thought to have them and they're, they just fit, you know, they just fit there like, like they were supposed to be there the whole time. Um, so that's kind of how I just really fell into that position, which ultimately is, um, like I said, what led me to being a program director last year. But. I really like uh, the emphasis that you put on the fact that Anna really made a niche position for you. And it really goes to show to that, you know, sometimes camps have this position that comes out of nowhere and people wonder, well, why does that exist? Uh, we've never had it before. Uh, but you really kind of showed that you and Anna had that, all that prep period beforehand that really made it so possible. Yeah, that was a really important part of it. Um, I said this before, but it was sort of, it was really important to both of us. She offered me the position. I remember it was really early on. It was like January before that summer. Um, and she had offered me this position and she said, it's a new thing. So we'll have some kinks to work out. Um, and I called her, we were on the phone and I said, listen, like, I really want to give this a try. Um, but I've never done day camp and, you know, you know, I've never been in a program director before. Um, and if this is a new thing, like I want to make sure that I'm not showing up and just being a glorified um, extra counselor, you know, which is not a bad thing, you know, but it's not what I was signing on for in that in that scenario. So I wanted to make sure that we had hammered out the details. Um, there were all these like little things that, you know, seemed like they wouldn't matter so much, but that we just took the time to hammer. I met with her, I met with the day camp director, you know, we got lunch a few times before the summer started. Um, and we just had like a kind of like business lunches a few times um, just to kind of, he showed me all the, like the way day camp runs so that going into the summer, I was prepared for it and that staff would see that. So I wasn't going in looking like I didn't know what I was doing. It was a whole big thing. And it was a really, really important part of, I think why that, position worked so well for me is because I felt as prepared as, as you can be for a camp position, I guess. So Matt, I really am excited to ask you about how you feel you got your position because the, in our kind of pre-show notes that we do, it says applied for it earlier than I was able to. And it really, it gets me thinking about what was going on when you were getting that position. Well, yeah. And it kind of, it ties in a little bit to um, what Grace said in that it's it's about um, the effort that you put into it as well. And I don't think that position would have been as successful for Grace if she didn't put the time into it as well. Obviously, her director put a lot of time and effort into that, but she also didn't just get into that role and mail it in. She she made herself busy and you have to, you have to put that time and effort in as well. So um, for me, I... So yes, I had great directors too that were able to um, find that spot for the, the position was a longstanding one, but the directors felt that I was ready. So I'm, I'm very thankful for those, um, those people who 
you know, felt that I was ready, but I think I put my best foot in the door and, and some advice that I'd want to give to people listening is um, if you want a position, apply for it. If you, if you want to do something, ask for it and advocate for yourself. Don't feel like somebody is always going to be looking out for your development because not, not that they, not that they, purposely don't look out for you is that you are you could be one of of a hundred people applying for a position if you're at a big camp um for me it was a smaller camp but um i was coming off my generally the the unspoken rule was you did two years as a counselor and then you you could join a a program position so running a, a program area or or something else um but for me i knew i wanted to work with people i wanted to to take on some leadership with other participants so lit directors seemed like the best fit for me so after my two years of being a counselor um i always was in those years of a counselor i was advocating to take on the pre-lit program um, and to help run that and i and i put my name forward and I, I didn't get it when i was a second year counselor and i didn't get the job when i applied for it the summer after my two years of counseling um my first year as a non-counselor was on the maintenance team um and that job like when i first found out that i got that job it was a huge hit to my ego but it was one of the best things I think that ever happened to me because I realized that I wasn't all that I was made out to be in my head and I wasn't as good as I thought that I was and there was some stuff that I needed to work on. And so I took that and I said, I said, okay, what do I need to do? And I got some feedback about, you know, that I needed to lead with my ego a little bit less and um, take that on and maintenance really humbled me because I was able to help out in other roles and fill into some program positions. But um, I really took the time to become a better leader and I jumped back into being a counselor for one week on that maintenance role and it was one of my best weeks ever as a counselor. And then I think largely because I took that opportunity, like Grace was saying, I made the most of that opportunity um, and took initiative and jumped in. I felt that I had, in the director's eyes, earned that spot. Um, had I not gotten it that year though, I mean, like it, it was the same lesson. Like I, my ego led way less in my decision to apply for that job. And I think through my application, I, th I think they could see that. Yeah. I like, um, you, you kind of brought up a little bit about, and you didn't use the word, but I've definitely heard camp directors use it, the entitlement. Like I've done two years as a counselor, I deserve to be in a leadership role. Um, and that's so hard as now, like as a camp director myself, being the one who kind of has to tame that back. Uh, because granted there are great counselors but not everyone is ready to become a great leader and uh i really liked your story of learning how to become a little bit more humble because of it yeah you and you don't you don't deserve anything like the, <laughs> maybe that's the best way to say it is that you don't you don't deserve to have that leadership role um any more than another person does just because you feel like you've even put in the time um, doesn't mean that you're ready for it. It's what camp needs in that moment, not what your personal ego needs to be at camp. And if, and if you're going, if you're applying only because you want a position, uh, like if that, if that comes up with our staff that I'm hiring, that the only reason they're coming back to camp is for this position, we don't want them at camp because they're not there to truly serve camp. That's me on my soapbox, but that's, that's really how I feel. Well, you you have a great soapbox, and I would love to stand on it with you because sometimes. <laughs> so, and right now, I'm I'm in the middle of interviewing. We're going to be hiring so many staff. If I ask a counselor, or if I know what a counselor is looking for doing when they come back, I might ask the question, 
of what would they feel if they did this position that was completely unrelated to the one that they were planning on getting. And really all I'm looking for is that first facial, you know, change that they make when I ask that question and you'd be like, Oh, well, uh, I really want to be a coordinator this year. And you're like, well, actually I was thinking about you for this team leadership spot role. How do you feel about that? And all of a sudden you see their face just kind of twinge and you go, Hmm. So you get a little bit more information and sometimes they're, they're entitled enough. Uh, unfortunately at the time to be like, well, no, I really only want to come back if I do this position. And you kind of realize that person may not actually be there to serve the kids in the best way possible, but is there to serve themselves. And without, you know, condemning everything I just said, you should go out there to try and serve yourself to become a better leader and be, and get the position that's best for you to further your career and where you feel best. But also you're remembering that you're joining a bigger piece of a larger whole when you step into that leadership role. So well, uh, and I think that's can, a really great point. You can grow in any role, right? You can work on your leadership skills as a maintenance person. You can work on your leadership skills as a, you're, you can work on your overnight camping skills as a day camp person. Like you can, and if you're committed to camp in the long run, you know, you have time to build, to grow into those roles. And if you are, if you have, again, advocate enough for yourself to your director, I believe that the good camp directors out there will give you that opportunity to grow in your leadership because it is about your growth, but your growth comes second after the experience of the kids. Yeah. Uh, I like that. I, one of the things that I really liked about all of us is that we all talked about being prepared for that position. So yeah, when I was applying to be in my position here at camp as the CIT uh, village coordinator, I was really excited because, you know, I had done the council position for two years. I, you know, I felt like I had to put in that time, but I was also living on camp. We we're a year-round facility. So I was more prepared because every day I was here and I was constantly looking for that information, constantly trying to feed into it. And I was the type of person who was, you know, going back to Tri-State once upon a time where I'm reading Michael Brandwine, fell in love with him, and I'm quartering him outside the Sheridan at Tri-State to try and get him to sign my learning leadership book. It's not because I put the time in, although experience is important, it's because the passion was there and I was consistently going to learn on my own. So if you're listening to the podcast, you're ahead of the game right now because you're trying to learn. You're trying to be that active learner. Uh, and I don't think you should really miss out on it uh, because I rather, as a leader, put someone who is trying to improve themselves into a position rather than putting someone in a position where they just believe they deserve it because they've spent the time getting ready for it. Um, so it's more than just time. So moving on though, um, we've all received these positions. We're going back in time. And what's the first thing you remember yourself starting on? Uh, you got the job, you, you know, said thank you to your camp director. Where are you going with it? And Grace, do you want to kick us off? Yeah, um, I actually, I really like this question because I think it's important that, you know, you're going into a first time uh, leadership position or maybe you have supervised, but you're going into a new supervising position, um, whatever that looks like for you. I think it's important to recognize that while it's this entirely, it could be this entirely new thing for you, you know, like going in like, oh, I've never supervised staff or I've never made a you know four page excel schedule for 98 staff what do i do <laughs> like there's all these new things that can go into it i think it's really important to recognize that there are skills and experiences that you have that led you here for a reason you got hired for a reason 
So use those skills, use those strengths. Um, and the reason I mentioned that is because I, you know, was hired on as a, a program director for our overnight program last summer. Um, and the first, almost the first like week of staff training, um, when I wasn't, you know, leading trainings or in trainings, I was holed up in the office on my laptop, completely just like revitalizing our ranch program. And that's where I come from in camp is, um, you know, was a ranch person. I was a, in our ranch program as a camper, as a kid, you know, riding the horses there. And then I, my first ever camp staff um, position ever was as a overnight ranch counselor at Camp Mason, um, you know, teaching kids how to ride horses and um, living with them in cabin and that whole thing. And then, like I, I briefly mentioned earlier, I was the barn manager for a year and I spent years and years and years of my life learning this program. Um, and, and it, obviously I'm, you know, I'm biased. It had a huge effect on my life, but on top of that, um, we had this entirely brand new ranch staff coming into camp last summer when I was um, program director. It was new from the ranch director to the ranch counselors. Every single staff member was brand new that summer, which is a really unique experience for one of our one of our special programs. Um, and I, it was really important to me that the ranch program itself um, was kept kept strong in its traditions and it and its in its um, strength and that it, you know, it could just keep, uh, keep running and have the resources there um, for people to catch on and pick it up where it left off and, you know, change it for the better if they need to, but they have that, that base there um, without needing a person from a previous summer there to train them, which we wouldn't have had. And for the first time I was in this position as program director where I had that opportunity like that was officially part of my job you know ranch is a program at mason and i was one of the program directors so i was like okay i'm gonna spend this first week and i'm gonna focus on this program because this program needs the it needs the work right now it needs the help so i was in there i was in uh, all of the um i was in our camp server like pulling out files um of all the um you know staff training things we have for ranch which weren't many because honestly, for our ranch program, most of it was word of mouth and from people kind of like cycling through the program, um, which is why they needed that kind of um, introductory piece. Um, so I, um, that's kind of what I did is like the first, um, like the first like big project for me was, was that and I kind of took it upon myself. And I, you know, talked to the other program director at the time. And I was like, hey, like, you know, I'm, I'm with you for all of our day to day things. But are you cool if I focus on this for a little bit? And she was like, honestly, better you than me because she was never in ranch she was like you know we need someone who knows it and i was like great um and it was so rewarding for me to be able to sit there in those trainings with those new staff um and guide them and be able to like just the fact that the ranch program ran with you know little to no you know hiccups or whatever was a miracle um but it also was like a really big moment for me i was like wow this is really cool like this is one of my programs and I helped make this happen. And that was a thing that I, you know, spent, that was like one of those moments, you know, where you kind of take a step back and you realize that you actually do kind of make a little bit of an impact sometimes. Um, and that was, you know, just occasionally, but it was still, it was still this really cool thing for me to see it, to spend the hours, you know, to doing it and then to see it come to fruition. Yeah. I, I love the fact that you were able to give something to someone 
to get them prepared. Like you have that item ready. Here's the information, take it and run with it. Uh, that's so useful as a camp director. Uh, and it's important, I think, for camp staff to know that when you hand that over to people, it's not always you just handing them a packet. You're handing them, you know, hard, cold work that you've been really putting into, not just a bunch of random words on a page. Take the time to read those. Uh, but Grace, on the flip side, what's something that you felt like you missed that you wish you had done prepping for summer? That's also a really good question. I think um, I wish that I had made more of a, um, trying to think of how to word this, more of like a daily schedule kind of, which um, I'm kind of reading my notes here. And it's funny because I wrote that it's a laughable idea because it's camp and it, it kind of is because camp is camp and you just never know what's going to happen on a day-to-day -day basis. But still having said that, I do wish I had, you know, taken some time during that staff training week or maybe the week before that to just kind of um, plot out what a two-week session at camp looks like for me as program director. Um, and, um, you know, I had the general basics of it um, in the sense that, like, at Camp Mason, we have a, uh, like, our, our big theme day, like I said, for overnight is on Saturdays, that middle Saturday of the session. And, you know, then we have, um, like, our activity signups on Mondays. So, like, those things I knew, of course, right? Like, these happen on these days. But it's more of, like, I wish that I had gone, like, okay, first Monday, we have, I need to have this paperwork, this paperwork, this paperwork done and printed and, you know, on in people's cabins by the time their kids go to bed tonight. Um, Tuesday, first week, I need to, you know, be doing this. And like I said, you never know what's going to pop up like I you know, at, at a certain point I'm going to have to prioritize and push things out of the way because of life because of camp you know but it would have been more helpful for me in that at least that first session to have had a general to-do list instead of kind of like learning by doing which is kind of what happened um and it you know it worked out <laughs> it did but it would have I think taken a lot of stress off my back and then um through that, a lot of stress off my staff's back because, um, you know, obviously if, if I'm stressed, then my, then my staff is stressed because they can, it just, you know, trickles through, they can tell. Um, so it was not like a blow up disaster by any means. It was a successful session. Kids loved it. But I think that um, I definitely could have taken that time beforehand to just kind of picture like what my day to day looks like, not just what those big things are throughout the session. Yeah. I agree with you. I'm a huge, like, I love calendars. I like staying on track and doing the, uh, I like having something that tells me what's happening all the time. And when I was lucky enough to have the CIT position, the first thing I started doing was making a schedule and my schedule was so detailed. It was down to like five minute blocks. I think it was, it was ridiculous. And at camp, obviously that's a dream. Who's actually, who can actually schedule camp in five minute blocks? And third, probably, but. Um, I'm, I'm definitely the one who's nerdy enough to do it. But uh, the, the issue was, is it was just too demanding. Like I was pushing my CITs and my staff way too far and way too hard because it was like, all right, cool. You need to be here five minutes on time. So on the flip side, as I agree so much, you need to have a calendar of where and when people are going to be. And that's extremely important. If you're missing that as a, as a leader, um, it, you're kind of walking on very, you know, thin ice because you're going to, you're going to eventually hit that point where you're going to 
you know, miss things or people aren't going to be where they're supposed to be. And you're going to not have an, a pivotal part of camp that's fit. Um, on the flip side, what I wish I had started doing when I became a CIT unit leader was I really wish that I had started, um, I guess, calming down a little bit, which is a weird thing. I was so excited and so, uh, so into it that I look back at myself now and I just must have been the most obnoxious human being to deal with. Um, just someone could have, like, I'm pretty sure people actually told me, calm down, Oliver. It's going to be okay. You don't need to overthink these things so much. And eventually it hit me midsummer, of course, because you learn as you do. And that's when I started to realize, all right, I need to calm down and realize that. Although I don't mind waking up at 6 a.m. and going to bed at 1 a.m., my staff and my campers probably shouldn't be doing that as well. With that being said, my campers, they didn't go to bed at 1 a.m., there was maybe like one special night where they got to stay up, but that was very different and like traditional weird camp stuff. But, um, but yeah, granted I was just pushing them too hard and that was because I was so task oriented. Um, so that's funny. So I want to Matt, I see like you have some advice. Second. Sorry. I just want to interject. Sorry, like what was there? Yeah. Go ahead, Grace. Yeah. I'm just saying that because I just want to point out that, um, Oliver and I worked together as program instructors for a hot minute, a couple of years ago. Um, and I just want to interject because your story reminded me of um, something that one of our coworkers said to me. This was, we worked together um, the winter after the summer that you're referring to. And people were talking about your, um, someone was like telling me about your position that previous summer. And they were like, yeah, that was crazy. Like Oliver had his campers, had his DITs, like, building forts out of sticks and doing their overnight in there like it was wild what do we we didn't know what to do <laughs> and I was just kind of laughing because it's this like great idea of and that's obviously an exaggeration but it's this great idea of of like you know forging that leadership but it's just this funny thing where you're saying like maybe I went a little too hard you know in hindsight maybe <laughs> you know so it's just funny that's all uh, if anybody wants to know the story of the CITs and uh, build their own shelters, uh, send me an email and I'll tell you a great story. Um, I, I stand by my decision still as um, confident as I am. Um, but also I realized that maybe I could have, you know, gave them a, gave them a little bit of rest before and after. Um, I was really trying to push, uh, I, I will admit, I was trying to push everyone really hard because they were becoming leaders. And sometimes becoming a leader means facing difficult things. But uh, Matt, can you tell us a little bit about uh, what, how you would answer this question about what you did when you first got your position? Yeah, uh, for sure. So, so I agree with both of your points about like coming up with plans and, and making schedules and work back schedules. And I like that you mentioned to be realistic too. Um, so on, on the same vein, I think I just started thinking about what I wanted to do right away. Um, and my technique in every job I've gotten at camp, including this role as director um, and my past directing role was I do a nice old school mind map. Um, I literally write down the position in the middle of a, a huge page where I have a, a whiteboard that I used in university and I wrote that down and I just started going with like ideas and sub ideas and, um, just coming up with all the, the very high level things that I wanted to accomplish that summer. And I did that before even looking at a transition report or looking at like, like cross analyzing the job description. Cause in that moment, and I still believe this, that it's not so important to do that. Like let your passion flow. And that's the moment that you're going to be the most excited. So as soon as you get that 
like your hired note, I think just, just spend that extra 10 minutes and start writing your ideas. And they might, like everything sticks, um, whether it's good or whether it's bad, put it down. Um, and what I wish that I had done along that same line is I wish I would have taken the next step. So I had this big whiteboard full of ideas and then I kind of just put it away and let the rest of my life move on. So I, I worked on university assignments or, or worked on school assignments or whatever. And then I didn't bring that whiteboard out until I got to camp two months before the position started. And by that time, you know, the busyness of camp is going, we were doing spring staff and we were doing maintenance all day and you're tired at night and you don't want to, you don't feel like working. What I wish I would have done was just pushed a little bit more um, and done two things. One, I wish I would have taken that whiteboard and, and typed it out and cross-referenced that and by then reading the job description and past transition reports. And I'll talk about transition reports a little bit later um, in case you don't know what I'm talking about. But uh, doing that and then like refining those ideas a little bit and then bringing them to my directors um, because we're recording this in early February right now. And if one of our um, leadership staff members that I've hired came to me and said, Hey, I have these like five big ideas for the summer. I've looked at past reports. I've looked at the job description and I, I really think that I could do these. I want to make camp awesome in this way. Um, if I feel like if I would have done that, I would have gotten, I would have had a greater effect on the people that I had worked with, um, and had just been a more effective staff member because I had all these big ideas, but I didn't think them out in enough time to make them happen. So like, if you have this big idea as a program person that you want to move, um, a wagon all the way across that or like, like put on a parade and run it to the, like down the camp road across to the neighbor's property where they have deer or something. You know what I mean? Like to do one of those crazy ideas that doesn't just happen, right? You have to put a lot of thought into that. So if you have those high level ideas, just think them out a little bit and then bring them to the directors and be like, Hey, I need some collaboration on this or like, I want to do this and I've thought this out. Um, try not to bring your directors a half baked idea where you're, you're like, thinking of doing something like I want to do human archery, but I have no like thoughts about the budget or the, or the implications of it. Um, shout out to our planning perfect programs first episode where you can find some tips on planning your programs, but um, just come up with some ideas and collaborate th on them while you have that passion because uh, you'll lose it when you, when school comes and kicks you in the butt again. So yeah, whiteboard, ask questions, get her done. Yeah, Matt, you really hit two things home for me that I feel like we miss all the time and I think are just other points of advice that I would want to give. One being the whiteboard, you get this kind of a home idea, this this thing that always brings you back to home for what you're looking for uh, with, you know, you have all these things on this whiteboard, but if you say the real goal of what I want to teach my campers this summer is uh, responsibility and you know, then you start to look at every detail that you do in your, in your cabin life. And you say, all right, I want to make sure we pull this back to responsibility. So, um, you know, an easy one is keeping the cabin clean, you know, let's always make sure we're responsible and we'll have a cleaning chart and things like that. But if you have that home, that real thing that you're always focused on, like making sure I'm developing my camper in the responsibility, it, it just means that whenever you're walking around camp and you're thinking to yourself, you have something that's always going to bring you home to that idea. So if I'm running even an evening program, you know, your evening program could be something where you, you know, have to clean up trash on the field or something, not real trash, hopefully, because that'd be gross and really horrible even program. But you could say like, tonight's activity is um, we're going to be 
helping save the world because, you know, this dump truck spilled all this trash and all these little gremlins are defending it now to keep the world dirty. And we're going to pick it all up so the gremlins can't, you know, keep the world a filthy place. And if you have that home idea, now your kids are learning responsibility in an evening program. And as a director, I love to see that tie in, but also it brings you back. And the other thing is um, you talked about having ideas that are coming to directors and they're, you know, half done or they're not fully there and you haven't thought about it. If you're a, a person who's coming up with an idea or B, you're a person who is listening to idea, encourage a pitch, encourage them to pitch you their idea, like a movie, have them make like a one sheet, have them do like a weird PowerPoint for you. And the nice thing about that is it takes five to 20 minutes for you to sit down with a staff member and legitimately listen to them. But it's, you know, an hour worth of them really thinking about it, working it out and getting it ready. And you as a director are going to trust them much more to do it. And you as a leadership staff member are going to invoke trust onto your director more than, hey, I got this really crazy idea. I think it would be cool and we should try it. So make it a pitch, put some effort into it and show that you've actually cared about this idea instead of just kind of running it by them. So Matt, you kind of brought me back to two things that I didn't think about bringing up, but we definitely should be bringing up in this whole conversation. Happy to help. So one of the big ones, if we move on to our next question, is first-time leaders struggle with supervising staff. It's just one of those things because it stems from the idea that they're doing it, A, for the first time. You know, they've never had to rely on other people to kind of do their job. They've always been supervising campers or something like that. Um, Sometimes they're supervising those people and they're their friends and they have to have a different conversation with a friend than they had in the past. And then finally, your managing campus is tough. There's so many things that are going on. And now you also have to think about the other people who can help you handle tasks, um, can, you know, are, are the ones who have to do things, not you. You have to stand back from the jobs you're used to doing and ask somebody else to do it for you. So with all these complications that really come up with being a first time supervisor, what is your advice to these people? What do you tell them? Hey, this is really what you should think about when you're working with staff. And um, I think Grace led last time. So Matt, let's see uh, if you'd like to lead off this question. For sure. I'm going to go back to the idea of watching your ego. Um, so if you've humbled yourself enough to find this role, um, watch out for what, what we used to call first year resource-itis. We called our, our program staff resource staff um, and resource-itis was the disease that you caught um, when you first got this position of power and then you started acting like a jerk um, to people around you. Um, so it just can happen and it can happen subconsciously. And especially for our first time leaders, that's something that I really try and coach them on is that, um, there's a great saying, I'm pretty sure it's, it's very old, but you have, uh, what is it? Two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. So in that vein, you know, watch more, listen more and talk less. Your opinions don't matter as much as you think they do um, until they absolutely have to. So you want to ask questions to the staff members that you're working with and just observe what's going on and not walking around with like your clipboard and writing notes. Don't be a jerk. Um, But think about those things. And then when you're giving them feedback, make sure it's well thought out and you're asking them questions. Um, I noticed you doing this. Can you tell me more about that? Works a lot better than, hey, you relate. What's going on with that? Because maybe they have a reason. Um, Maybe they don't. But 
you know, giving them benefits of the doubt and realizing that, you know, you're new in this as well. So your interpretation of staff's behavior, this is the first time that you're doing it as well. Um, you don't know as much as you think that you do and people always uh, will surprise you and kick you right on your butt if you um, just assume stuff about them. I would absolutely, I just finished listening to um, Dale Carnegie's book, How to Win Friends and Influence People. Um, and it sounds like a super shady like title of a book, like you're trying to trick people into being friends with you. But it, it actually has so much, there's a whole, the whole last section is about being a leader of people. Um, and if you would like that book for free and you've never downloaded an Audible book before, um, send me an email, matt at gocamp.pro, and I can send you your first Audible book for free. And that would be a great first free one to listen to. And I would, I would be, I'd be thrilled if someone, uh, if someone took advantage of that. Grace, what about you? What's your, uh, what's your advice for those first-time supervisors of staff? I actually, I really liked what uh, Matt just said about uh, resource-itis. Obviously, it's probably worded a bit different depending on like what the position is called at a camp. Um, but that concept ha um, happens all the time. I mean, I'm sure everywhere, but at Mason's, uh, we have this position that's relatively new. It's, uh, we kind of we cycled it in in the past like three or four years. Um, and we have this like quirky name for it that we call it the village moose. Um, but it basically just means that they're um, kind of like an extra hand for the, for the village leader, for the unit leader. Um, so what that means is that if the village leader is off that day, then the moose is the person with the radio and they're just kind of like that point person for the village for the day. Um, sometimes they sit down on planning meetings with the rest of the administrative staff. Um, not all the time, but we kind of give them that resource if they want to, if they want to um, take it up. Um, and it's not the way it was um, kind of pushed into our staff, like into being a position at first was that it really just is like, like a point person for when the VL, the village leader is gone. Like that's pretty much it. It's this great thing where, you know, it's obviously someone who wants to step up they get a little bit of a pay bump, like $50 or something like that, you know, just to say that we appreciate you, but as all things considered, they are a cabin counselor. That's their main job. Um, it's kind of morphed into this thing over the past couple of years where that concept that Matt was talking about of resource-itis is like, just like we could call it like moose-itis or something at Camp Mason, because it's like, if someone's the village moose or whatever, suddenly like, their head is like so big they can't fit through the door like they are they think they're a shoe-in to be a village leader the next year which sometimes does happen and that's great but it's not that's like that's not you know a thing like that's it's not like it's not written in your contract as like you will be a village leader next year like that's that's just not the case um but they you know it's gotten to this point where sometimes they have it in their head it's also I kind of noticed this across the board with camps where as soon as someone clips a radio on their hip, it's like out of control with the ego. And that also happens with the, with the moose is, you know, the, the village leader is off for the day. They get that radio. Um, and suddenly someone's on the radio, like, you know, grace to grace to sue, to sue moose for the day. And they're like, mm, Oliver here, how can I help you? And they're just like, they're just think that they're like God's gift to men. Um, and it's, it's this hard thing to manage. Um, but I also, one thing I did want to touch on specifically 
and this is kind of, I went off on a bit of a rant there because that specifically really annoys me about the Phyllis Bruce, but, but a thing that I guess like a piece of advice, I guess, to circle it back to the original question, advice for first time supervisors and um, when it comes to actual staff management, I wanted to specifically bring on that situation where you are a first time supervisor and your staff are your friends, you know, which is so, so common. Um, you come into this position and people that are either on your direct staff or people that, um, you know, whether that means that they're just still, they're still counselors and you're, and you're a unit leader or if they are specifically in your unit, maybe, um, it's a really difficult thing. And I remember having a conversation with a really good friend of mine from Mason um, when I was coming into the program director role. And I was like, you know, I brought up the same thing. I was like, I'm just kind of worried about that dynamic. There's people who are older than me on my staff. There's people who have been on program staff for longer than me on my staff. And yeah, I'm the one who got hired. Um, There's people that are my friends. Like there's a lot of awkward, um, potential awkward situations on my staff. Um, And I was kind of asking his advice because he'd been on leadership staff um, for a few years before me. And he was, he was honest. He was like, you know what? It's going to change. People will treat you differently. They just will. Um, It's not, you know, this big dramatic thing where, you know, people can't see you as a friend or you can't maintain those personal relationships and friendships that you have. You absolutely can, but it will change. It just will. That's, it's, you know, there's, people have talked around it in so many which ways for forever about like, well, if you just do this and if you just do this, um, but the reality of the situation is that when you are at work and you are on the clock and you are a director and they are your, or a supervisor and they are your staff, there is a different dynamic and they will treat you differently. doesn't mean it's negatively, but they will treat you differently. And the relationship changes a little bit in that situation. That doesn't mean that when you're, you know, on off time and you're out to dinner with them, that personal relationship can be exactly the same and just as close. But, you know, in that situation at camp, it's different. And it's just something to prepare yourself for as best as you can, is that those friendships will feel different. Um, And those relationships with people that you've known potentially for years are going to feel a little strange and a little, a little, it could, it can be awkward at first, you know, if you're not used to it. Um. But just keeping in mind that, like I said, that doesn't have to ruin a relationship. That doesn't have to ruin a friendship. It's just, you know, both of you acknowledging that it's going to be a little bit different now. Yeah, I, I think for when it comes to supervising friends, you you definitely need to kind of face that uh, honesty that you are the boss now. Like you have to make those decisions. Um, and that word boss, I think it's even it's getting such a bad rap now but it, it literally just means someone who's in a leadership position. Um, but it, it seems to be more hurtful um, to say. But my advice has always been that these people who are your friends, who you're surrounded by, they are essentially the ones who got you your position. Uh, because the conversations that you have with them about camp, the conversations working together to organize a cabin group, these are the things what these are the things that made you the leadership staff that you are now. And you need to go to your friends. You need to let them know that like, I am a leader at camp because of the things that we've talked about in the past. Like when you told me to quit it and focus, you were getting me on task to make me a better leader. When, you know, when you conflicted with my ideas, 
that helped me be a better leader. And if you're willing to keep being honest with me, that's going to make camp a better place and make our relationship better. Uh, so call me out on, on, on what I'm doing. Call me out and say, Hey, Oliver, you, you need to focus on this. Like that's not acceptable. I think sometimes people forget that when they're friends, the communication, there's a communication breakdown and you can't have that. Uh, because at the end of the day, it, your friends are the people who are helping you become a better leader every day. That's why camp is so great. Um, the other thing that I would say for a first time leader, and this is really important. And, uh, I see it a lot and I know I do it a lot is you give excuses to people who are making mistakes. So when a person makes a mistake, you say something in your head like, Oh, you know, it's just this one time. Like they've messed like that. This is my excuse for them. So, uh, for example, right now I'm doing interviews and if someone doesn't get a hold of me and they're international, I might say in my head, well, it might be because of the time difference. So I'll give them one more shot. And then, you know, it'll be a second interview and they've missed this one now because of some other thing. At the end of the day, if you want the job, you need to make sure you're there for the interview. And I'm just giving excuses for the reason why you're missing. I think you, as a first time leader, you have to be forgiving and you need to say things like, okay, cool. I understand you made a mistake. Let's not do that again. Um, but you need to make sure that this second round, we're not going to make those mistakes again. Um, because I just find that first time leaders, you know, they give excuses. Uh, well, for example, here at Jewel, all of our program staff have to clean cabins. And one of my responsibilities is I have to go and check those cabins and make sure they are clean. And if they don't do a well enough job, I have to send them back and, and they have to go and clean that mess. And one of the discussions that I was having with, you know, fellow leadership staff was if there's something that I can simply clean, like a thing that I can pick up, like a bunk trash piece of paper or a pencil or something like that. Granted, yes, I can pick it up and I can clean the cabin and make sure it's not an issue. And a good number of times I do because, you know, I'm going to see something that other people may not see. But at the end of the day, if I see two, three, four, five mistakes, I can't make that excuse anymore that, you know, they just kind of missed it. So I'll send staff back to a cabin to clean up those one, two little things that are an excuse, but it's so they kind of learn that, you know, maybe today they were a little bit lazier than they should have been. And they need to stay on their game when it comes to cleaning cabins, because at the end of the day, we want to make sure that everyone who comes to camp has an experience that is just as good and great as anybody else who's coming to camp. So that feeling of a clean cabin and that's not dirty, you know, is important. And our staff need to understand that importance. And I can't keep giving them excuses to why they missed something or didn't, you know, co- like cover something, like cover something up from me. So I think I said that wrong, but so that they don't hide things that are wrong. They need to know that they need to get the things done and I can't make excuses. And a first time leader shouldn't find themselves making excuses at the end of the day. If you're feeling fed up with something, that's because something is not beneficial to camp anymore. I feel like I went on a little bit of a tangent there to get my point across, but I hope I did. Um, So the next thing is the job is different. So being a first time leader in camp, you're not a counselor in a cabin anymore. You're supervising staff, obviously, but there's also these kind of back end responsibilities that come up with it. So I want to talk a little bit about those and, uh, and go from there. So Grace, can you kind of talk to us a little bit about how the job changed for you 
from when you were a counselor to taking on this first-time leadership role? Yeah, definitely. Um, obviously, I think a big thing that people just um, understand coming into a supervisor role, uh, supervisory role um, is that they are definitely a little bit more behind the scenes now. I, at least what I've noticed is that that's a, not always, of course, but it's generally a thing that people kind of get going into it. Um, and so as a counselor, you are, you know, you are on the ground with the kids, you know, you are there, you're leading the activities, you are going on those overnights with the kids, you, you know, you are that person with them. Um, my job was largely program oriented uh, last summer as a program director. So my biggest priority um, lied in planning those creative programs, those quality creative programming for, for those kids. Um, and it was my job to plan it well enough that those counselors could then be the people doing the FaceTime with the kids and making it happen and making it this amazing thing. Um, so my job got a lot more planning oriented and a lot more budget oriented and a lot more going and spending $200 on the camp credit card at Party City, um, <laughs> things like that <laughs> for, for one theme day. Um, but a good thing um, that one of my supervisors a couple years ago said that there's these big moments of like camp magic, you know, where kids are like, well, there's this crazy thing that just happens. Like, you know, people just came across the lake on canoes with flags while we were doing the flag raising ceremony. That's crazy. Oh my gosh. And it's this like camp magic thing and they laugh and, and then they go into the meal, you know, and they might forget about it then, but that's a, it's a thing that affected them and that they remember. Um, and my supervisor a couple years ago said this great thing that I think about as a program director now, which is that those moments of camp magic have most likely been planned for weeks or at least a week. You know, they've been talked about, you've gone through the logistics, you've got the staff for it, you know, you've gone, you've done X, Y, Z to make sure it can happen. And for the kids and even some of the counselors, it's this moment of like, oh my God, that's crazy that that just happened. And then for you and like 20 other people, you're like, cool, we just spent three weeks on that. Glad you liked it. <laughs> you know, so that's a lot of where my job is now. And it's honestly, it, it sounds like I'm complaining, but I'm definitely not. It's like the most rewarding thing to have people, kids, staff, just think that something crazy just happened. And you kind of, you and, you know, a wonderful team where we're the kind of the masterminds behind that. Yeah. Um, I always, it's just good advice to know that you can put three weeks into planning something and it will be the greatest thing that camp ever um, has ever done. Or sorry, you put three weeks into planning something and it's just a really cool thing that happened and the kids really enjoy it and they may have a memory of it. And then, you know, one day a counselor might stand up in the dining hall and shout Gosford Boogan or something like that. And now that's the new camp word for six years. And you're just like, okay, hold on a second. <laughs> but do you need to know that, you know, things don't just happen. They have to get planned. I think that's great advice coming from Grace that it's behind the scenes. And, you know, if you're coming across the lake on canoes with flags, you got to collect the flags. You have to get the staff to make sure the other cabins are covered. You need to make sure you have a life guard who's supervising them while they're doing this wonderful feat. There's a lot more behind the scenes that people just, you know, kind of take for granted. So it's a, it's a great point of advice. And Matt, I know you got some good advice for this too. Yeah, I, I, I totally agree with making sure you're logistically set and knowing that it's going to take way more behind the scenes time than you expect. Um, my thing is kind of about working with people. Um, and there's this concept of servant leadership um, that's brought up a lot in like 
in Christian circles, but I, I think it's also moved outside of it. But it's the idea of putting people first. Um, and I think in a, a non-Christian context, Richard Branson, um, CEO of Virgin, um, he, his focus is, he says he doesn't focus on the, on the customers. He focuses on the staff that he works with. And he says, if he serves those staff members, then he knows the customers will be taken care of. So if you take care of your staff, they'll take care of the customers. Now that doesn't quite work with camp because I think we need to make sure we stay driven on the fact that, that everything we do is for the campers and the campers that helps us focus. Um, but I believe that the more and more you come back to camp, the less and less it is about yourself. And if you kind of have that mindset of how can I take care of the staff that I work with and how can I make this a great experience for them um, physically, emotionally, in all of those ways. Um, so, so Oliver, you nailed it when you said, oh yeah, maybe they shouldn't be up until one o'clock planning these things or the, is, is the work that I'm delegating to them fair? Is it at their, are they, are they in their, um, their flow zone where this isn't way too much and crazy overwhelming for them? Um, because if you focus on their wellness to, to an extent and yeah, you gotta, you gotta suck it up and, um, plunge a toilet when a toilet needs plunged, but you know, the, if you take care of them, they will have their full energy and their full availability to take care of the kids and give them um, the magic and the moments that only they can do. So don't forget about your staff. Yeah. I, I, you know, it just, I go back to all these interviews that I get to be having and your point is exactly a point that I made to a girl today is, you know, she asked me what I do for my job and what I care about. And I was like, I honestly, my campers are now my staff. And I make sure I take care of them so they can take care of the campers like I used to. Um, so you've hit on a really good point there, Matt. With that being said, I, I like to emphasize the fact that you're a lot of people get their job and they think, all right, cool. This is all I'm going to be doing all summer. I'm going to get to oversee this area of camp. And at some camps, you may be lucky enough to do that where, you know, you become the CIT coordinator or, you know, the 10 to 12 year old coordinator or whatever it might be. And, that's all you have to do is oversee that area. And that's fantastic. Um, my experience with camp um, and this, I think a lot of why people kind of agree on it. Cause we always laugh when we talk about it at conferences and such is you have your job, but you also have this bigger dedication to camp as a leader. And if you don't think about that and the amount of time it's going to take out, it's going to hit you like a ton of bricks. And for example, our leadership staff here at Jewel, although they may be in charge of their village, they'll also have the responsibilities of, you know, being the drivers on camp or, you know, running a chapel in the morning or being at the desk for check-in at the waterfront. And these little things take up a lot of your time. And you need to make sure that as a future leader that you know that although your dedication is going to be towards your village, your units, your age group, you need to know that you're going to be having meetings with the rest of these leadership staff who really care about their program as well. And you're going to have to talk to them. You're going to have to work with them and you're going to have to find middle ground with them. And if you can't put in as much as you can for them as, as much as you're putting in for your camper group, then camp as a whole is not going to be as successful because it really does take a team to lead camp. So with that being said, let's really quickly go through just some advice that you would have for a first-time leader. Just what's your, your one-liner to give a first-time leader? 
So, uh, Matt, you want to lead us off? For sure. I'm bad at quick, but I'll do my best. Uh, <laughs> the, my challenge, and this, this is, this is going to sound weird, but my challenge for listeners out there is to try and take the word my out of your vocabulary. Um, and what I mean by that is you don't have to do this all the time, but I want you to think of this. And if it challenges you, that's good. Um, especially when you're working in front of the people that you serve. Um, and I say the people that you serve because they're not your staff. They're not your campers and it's not your camp materials. They're not your kayaks. And I think this falls under that resource itis kind of thing. Sometimes we can be like, well, it's, it's my staff or like, I, you know, I'm going to be the best for my staff. Like you don't own them, right? They're camps staff. They're there because camp hired them. Yes, you hired them and yes, you supervise them, but you can use language like the staff that I supervise or the staff that I serve. The staff, uh, sometimes at Pierce Williams, the staff that I serve get weirded out when I refer to them as the people that I serve, um, but it, it really emphasizes that servant leader mindset, mindset. So it's the staff that I supervise, our campers, the LITs, camps, kayaks, or camps, bows and arrows. They're not yours. Um, and that, again, maybe I just need all these ego checks that I'm suggesting here, but they've, they've really helped me and, and helped um, the staff that I work with to, to keep that um, to keep that servant first mindset and um, your own ego and your own needs second. That's a great advice for just knowing that everyone feels included to that bigger whole, you know. Uh, great, what's your advice? I would say that I've received a lot of advice going into different leadership roles and this is a piece that I've never received but wish I had for any leadership role and that is that you will spend literal hours of your life planning, whether it's for a certain event, whether it's for your schedule, you will spend hours of your life planning for camp. And I want to say like 90% of those plans, if not more, are either going to change or just end up being useless because suddenly it just rained for five days and you can't do whatever it is you planned or whatever it is. Um, and just you got to just go with it. You know, it's camp. You got hired to this position because you are Whoever hired you believes that you are equipped to handle it, but know that you will plan. You will be so proud of those plans. They probably won't be used. Yeah, Grace, you just inspired me. I have a quote that I wrote in my door, so give me one quick second to grab it. Something that I wrote, and I just kind of wrote it down one of those days, you know, you have that moment of greater thoughts. Um, so my thing was, I wrote this down. I said, the things you want won't happen in a day. They won't be exactly what you imagined. And you may not even get the credit for your best work, but you made a difference in a positive way because the things you want and the work you do make the world a better place. And I wrote it down on this weird sticky note. And then I ended up putting it on my door and then other staff members were coming up to me like, that's, that's impactful. And um, I, I, now it's something that I like looking at. So it's there on my door and it reminds me every single day that, I'm going to put in a lot of hard work and that's what it is. I'm making the world a better place. And that's something I kind of live by. So um, long show tonight for sure. Uh, so Matt, can you give us the really quick run through of the highlights? Okay. Yes. Here we go. So we talked about um, the positions we were hired for in our first experiences and some things to take away from that is being open to different roles that you weren't expecting and that you can grow in everything and immerse yourself in the camp experience, whether it's reading books, listening to uh, people, but show the directors that you are ready to take that on because you've earned um, that time. But remember that you don't deserve that role, that you can... Um, 
that you can grow anywhere else and there's lots of great people out there. To prepare, think about what others will need to know um, and prep before camp starts. Make sure you're serving them and giving that training material. Make schedules and plans, but be realistic and remember that camp can change your best laid plans. Uh, brainstorm your ideas and then pitch it to your directors in concise ways. Uh, some advice for first-time leaders, check your egos uh, and remember that you have two ears, two eyes, and one mouth. Uh, don't get resource-itis and watch out for the egotistical walkie-talkie. Um, be uh, forgiving, but don't make excuses uh, for people and keep them accountable. Uh, leadership is going to change you because you get less face time. And there's more behind the scenes work and that you can plan for hours and hours and hours um, for one small, amazing moment. And that's fine. Uh, be a servant leader to the staff members that you work with um, and to uh, Again, make sure that you can try your best to remember that kids need you and they need the staff that you work with to be their best. So be the best for those staff members. Awesome. Thanks, Matt. Um, so that is, uh, for the most part, our questions of the show today. Uh, but now it is time for our get ready portion. So um, let's start off with Matt. What's your thing to get ready for counselors who are coming into this summer? That's right. So get ready. This is something you can do now. Um, if you're listening to this before the summer, if you're listening uh, to this anytime, this is something you can do to get ready. My idea is to start your transition report now. So I touched on transition reports. If you don't know what I'm talking about, essentially, um, whether it's in your camp's culture or not, you should be writing a transition report um, for the next person in your job. Essentially, you want to write this report from the perspective that an it, an alien has dropped from a foreign planet into your camp and has assumed your role for this next summer. So everything that you're learning as you're going, including the plans that you're making now, is something that you can reflect on and write about that you can hand this to the next person. And to follow that up with, um, so read your transition report if you have one, and if you don't, just ask the last person that was in your role to sit down and share a coffee with you or Skype with you um, because they have so much insight from an entire summer of lived experience and they should be uh, definitely willing to help you out. Uh, Grace, what's your get ready for the summer advice? I think it's um, a little bit of a combination of kind of a bit of pieces that we've been saying. So we transition reports are a thing at Mason too. We just call them final reports um, and it's the same exact concept. So I would say the same thing as far as like read that final report if it exists. If it doesn't, reach out to that person um, and otherwise, um, I really like what you said earlier, Oliver, about like, if you are a person who is listening to this podcast right now, or if you are a person who has um, gone out of their way to search for a podcast about camp to prepare themselves, you are ahead of the game. Like just, I guess, just like study, you know, is like a really like kind of sounds like a really like responsibility ridden, like boring way of putting it, but just like do the studying, you know, like reach out to that person, search for that podcast. Um, you know, you'd, no one's going to be 100% prepared when, when you walk into that role, but you can take, you can take the steps um, beforehand to, you know, at least trick yourself into feeling like you are. <laughs> um, my advice is read a book, but not just any book. Um, there are a lot of like self-help books out there and uh, great books on leadership and stuff like that. You can read those. Um, there are a lot of great ones out there with a lot of different advice. My advice though is not one of those books, those books, my advice is storybooks. Look into finding stories. Um, 
things that you can tell campers before they go to bed or um, those kind of inspirational stories that you can share at uh, a morning chapel or something like that, that are inspiring messages for people. It just is another way for you to be a great leader is if you can give a story that is not a personal antidote, but something that is generally accepted that gives some type of moral. Um, and sometimes it can just be a cool story. Uh, I was told this morning um, the story of how Maui plucked one of the five fire fingers to give fire to all of humanity. And I thought it was such a cool story and it would be just a really cool way to, um, you know, put campers to bed at night. Even if you are in that leadership role, you can, you know, stop by a cabin when everyone's going to bed and say, Hey guys, if you guys get to bed a little bit quicker tonight, I will tell you the story of, of Maui and the fire fingers. And then all the kids will be like, Whoa, cause here's a leadership staff member who really cared about them and was willing to put in some time to stop by the cabin and tell a really cool story. It also takes some of that stress off of your counselors at the end of the day with the going to bed ritual, which is sometimes more challenging. So um, if you can read them, that's great. If you memorize them, you're super cool. Um, not everyone has the greatest memory, but it's always a nice thing to do. Um, and I just think that that's one of the cool things you can do for camp. And it's a, it's a nice, useful tip that you can have. So with that being said, that is our show. If you enjoyed today's show, we would be so grateful if you would go to the camphacker.tv slash love. That link will uh, get a tweet ready for you that will talk about the show. For sure. And the reviews of the show uh, are super important. We are just trying this thing called First Class Counselors out. Um, and we would be so grateful if you left us an honest review on iTunes. You can go to camphacker.tv slash iTunes and then click the ratings and reviews button or do that on whatever way you find this podcast. Um, again, camphacker.tv slash love. And you can uh, send us a review, send us an email. You'll see our um, links for email at the bottom of our show notes of this episode. With that being said, if you want to get these show notes, we talked too quickly. Um, we said, um, too much, whatever it might be. Um, we put it all in writing for you as well. So you can check out our show notes at camphacker.tv slash podcast, and you can get that in writing and then you can start running and get ready for the summer. So with that being said, camp is camp and camp is all good. Have a great learning experience before summer, everybody. First Class Counselors is brought to you by Beth and Travis Allison, summer camp leadership training and marketing consultants. Thanks for listening, friends. Hey, Camp Rose, we love that our industry is built on sharing. In order to foster that spirit, we hope that whenever you share an idea that you learn from the Camp Hacker podcast, conference, summer camp professionals group, or wherever else, that you're quick to give credit where credit is due. That way, we can all encourage more camp pros to share the tips and tricks that will make camp better.